G'day team, how you doing? Back again for 2021 with uh, another Department of Conversation. Who would have thunk that, uh, gosh, when we left you the week before Christmas, we would be coming back to a coup attempt in the United States of America. It has been crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, I have had a lovely couple of weeks off. Uh, had a bit of a staycation, a little bit of driving around the Otago region, but pretty much stayed at my place in my house and doing some work around the place and sleeping quite a lot, if I'm honest, and resting a fair bit and playing a fair bit of Fortnite. That's what I've been up to for a good amount of the time. So it's nice to be back with you. It's kind of a strange one today because we're coming back and having the amazing Professor Robert Patman join us today from uh, University of Otago. Of course, uh, expert in all sorts of things, especially in the areas of um, US policy and politics. And obviously, uh, this has been recorded the day after uh, some supporters of Donald Trump tried to overthrow the Capitol building. Uh, I have been more than happy to identify it as the uh, Trump attempted coup on Twitter as the hashtag. And I think that's exactly what it was, an attempted coup that was thwarted. I'm hoping that there is charges laid against many of the people who were involved in the coup. But I also hope against many of the people who have been inciting and... um, imploring the people who are supporting Trump to do this kind of thing as well. Uh, Lindsey Graham, I hope your quarterback is toast. Mitch McConnell, Rudy Giuliani, hope you all face some kind of legal sanction once Trump is gone in 13 days. I hope Trump is removed under Article 25 of the Constitution. I hope he's gone, uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, you cannot have that man anywhere near the nuclear uh, button at the moment. He is a narcissist who I think would uh, happily go scorched earth and bring everything and everybody down rather than him uh, come out of it looking worse. He's got to go. He's got to be gone. I guess time will see what will actually happen with that. Um, Maybe the flip side of that is people get in there and don't allow him to get access to some of those things. That could be catastrophic for the world over. Should his uh, ego feel the need to push some big shiny buttons in that office of his? Anyway, look, as you probably heard in my tone, I'm a, I'm a little bit kind of annoyed about the whole thing, and I have to sort of say, be prepared for probably uh, Angry Pat like you've never heard Angry Pat before. I, I got pretty grumpy during this podcast, and I am pretty grumpy with the overall situation. I kind of feel like for those of us who identify as on the left of politics, uh, certainly a progressive, this is the thing we have been fucking talking about for four years with Donald Trump. And I made some kind of quip during the podcast about the Captain Obvious Award, uh, or this is the book called Most Obvious Story in the World. Of course this was going to happen. This was earmarked to happen on the day he won the election, that if and when something went against Trump that he couldn't spin lie bullshit about, this is what was going to happen. And so there is anger out there, and part of the anger is we, those of us who have been screaming from the rooftops, have been talking about this for years and have been getting shot down and chastised, certainly by Trump supporters, and also, to be honest with you, from a lot of just conservative right-wing people in New Zealand and around the world as well. So, all I can say to you is, oh gosh, I can't say that. I, I was, I was going to curse at people then. You, you know what? If you man and woman up, and you admit that you were wrong, and you admit that this man was a narcissist, and the worst thing to happen to America in a very, very long time. Which is worse for America, coronavirus or Trump? Probably Trump, because he made coronavirus worse as well. Then we can continue on in relationship. If you can't, you know, just 
delete me from your life because this is it. This is the evidence to say this is the time to actually take a step backwards and go, okay, we were wrong. Now let's move forward together. Anywho, the most depressing podcast in the world, it sounds like, is going to come up for you as the first podcast of 2021. Here is Professor Rob Patman. There we go. I think we're getting in there. Professor Robert Patman, you come up first on screen. There's me second on screen. First Department of Conversation podcast for 2021. And what a one to come into. And thank you very much, Professor Patman, for coming in. And having, oh, you're very welcome, Pat. I, I think we'd probably say the most obvious chat of the year. Is that fair? I think so. At, le- at least the most obvious uh, subject matter of the year. So, where to begin? As we record this, it is Friday the 8th of January. Mm-hmm. Thursday, the 7th of January, uh, we saw the Capitol building in the US be overrun by uh, what can only be described as uh, homeborn terrorists uh, out of America, uh, uh, also claiming the title Trump supporters and the word they use, patriots. Hmm. Never a more relative term have I heard in my life. Um, and we haven't actually caught up since the actual election. We talked before the election, because you and I have done this a few times. And sometimes sure. had Damien involved with us having a chat as well. Yeah. But we've had what the obvious thing was, uh, the, the election was won, and then we've watched uh, somewhat the self-destruction of America over the last couple of months since the election that led up to yesterday. So so just, I guess, your thoughts. Well, yes. I mean, Mr. Trump, I think I think the writing's been on the wall for some time. Immediately after the election, in fact, on the night election night, he claimed he had won. Yeah, victory. Um, when the anyone, you and I have been watching elections for a while, and we all know that at 10 o'clock in the evening, um, Washington time, you can't declare victory at that time, or was it maybe in the early hours of the morning? But either way, it's no time to declare victory simply because the American, America is a huge country and the votes take a while to come in. They go against it across different time zones. So he basically, the game plan all along, I think, was to claim victory and then to contest the result. And uh, it was, I think, striking months before the election when Mr. Trump was asked whether he would accept the outcome. He was evasive. Uh, he never quite, he never said categorically in front, if I'm beaten fairly and squarely, I will accept the outcome. And so after the election, uh, he immediately contested the result. And we've had something like 60 plus lawsuits. 62. 62. And as far as I know, he's gained no traction whatsoever. He's won one, just so people were talking about this. Yep. He's won one out of the 62, and that was basically a deadline where they changed a deadline from nine days to six days. So there's been a logistical win yep. in one of those. The other 61 cases have been mostly thrown out of court uh, vigorously by the judges. Yeah, so I mean, there's no evidence to substantiate his repeated allegation that there was widespread fraud. And given the margin of defeat, more than 7 million votes, that'd have to be a, you know, a gigantic fraud operation. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, the, in a sense, many people, having had about 30 illegal defeats, might have drawn back and said, well, uh, my you know, suspicions have been allayed. But he did not, and he persisted. And then this weekend, we had this extraordinary phone call between in Georgia between the Secretary of State for Georgia uh, and Mr. Trump, which was recorded by the Georgian <laughs> officials, I think. Wisely. Well, they apparently they he had attempted to ring the Georgian Secretary of State um, 
something like 18 times. And clearly on the 18th time, Mr. Trump succeeded, but they were they probably decided to record the conversation to protect themselves. And um, the, you know, the Secretary of State, I think, basically said to Mr. Trump there was no factual basis to his suspicions that the Georgian result um, was rigged. And then Mr. Trump made the extraordinary statement in sort of mob boss style that he should find the 11,800 votes or whatever it was in order to turn around the result. And then after, of course, he'd said that there's nothing, basically the, the all the... Uh, officials within Georgia said this was a free and fair election. Yeah. There was no, you know, there was two cases of dead people, and I think they were both yeah. people who voted for Trump, I think. Um, but there was nothing wrong here. The next day, Trump put out a tweet completely contradicting that phone call, and the officials within Georgia said they recorded the phone call. They had no intention of releasing it unless he went, my words, off the deep end mm. and lied, which he did. So they released it. So I say good on them. Good Insurance but policy. A, it was a devastating phone call yeah. for Mr. Trump because I think at that point it created a crisis in the Republican Party. Those who had aligned themselves with his claims were, I think, uh, discredited to some degree. Uh, and I think those who were always lukewarm about Mr. Pre uh, Mr. President Trump's claims within the Republican Party, party company, I think it was at that point, and correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, I think it was the way at that point where Lindsey Graham began to distance himself. Well, look, I, I, I think there were some statements made around that time that were distancing. I think that's yep. fair. But to be honest with you, I, I it's hard to say what makes me maddest because maddest is the right word. Most disappointed, m most shocked is actually... The thing that makes me maddest is all these GOP senators and congressmen, lawmakers and staffers all running for the hill. Someone from his um, cabinet, uh, you know, quit today. Yeah. Based on transportation. This. She was there for Charlottesville. Yeah. She was there for all the other stuff. Thirteen days before he's due to leave, she goes, "I can't do this anymore. I'm out. I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm sorry. You don't get the credit." And I really feel really strongly. American politics is not where I live. It's not where I am. But if the GOP, if the Republicans don't basically exile those people who upheld all these lies and mistruths and bullshit that led to yesterday's events. If they don't exile the Ted Cruz's of this world, then the people who are, and I'm thinking of the Mitt Romney's, been, been disagreeing with Trump all the way through, yeah. they need to exile themselves. So either the Republican Party stays the party of Trump and people like Mitt Romney needs to become independents, or the GOP needs to go, enough is enough, you go off, Ted Cruz, you can be an independent and still be involved, but you can't be a part of this party anymore. There's there's no middle ground there, in my opinion, or else, I mean, I mean, I couldn't care less if it was the death of the GOP, but or else it is the death of the GOP. Oh, I think the Republican Party is facing a major crisis and potential implosion. And uh, you mentioned Ted Cruz, but there's other influential people like Hawley, Yep. who's going to probably make a presidential bid in 2040, uh, 2024. And it was interesting that Mr. Trump today suggested in his broadcast where he, for the first time since the election, belatedly, and particularly after the appalling events of the last 24 hours, belatedly said that he now called for a peaceful transfer of power. But at the end of that, 
He said the journey was only beginning. All right, let's 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 do this because you've just mentioned it. Let's have a bit of a listen to it. It's a couple of minutes. We might get through the whole thing. But this is the thing I want to do. And I'm sorry if this annoys people. Um, but I watched this quite soon after it came out, obviously. But what I then realized is the number of lies in this statement that he made. And I want to point some of them out as we go through. So let's have a listen. Addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, Lie. lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Lie. Guard no, he didn't. and federal law enforcement 13 seconds to and secure two lies. the building and expel the intruders. He reveled in it. America There's reports. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of America. True, but thanks to Trump. To those who engage on his in the violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. Lie, do and not represent him. He said, law, we love you. He said, we love you. Through an intense election, and emotions are high, but now tempers must be cooled and calm restored. We must get on with the business of America. My campaign vigorously pursued every legal avenue to contest the election results. Wow. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. Lie. In so doing, I was fighting to defend American democracy. Lie. I continue to strongly believe that we must reform our election laws to verify the... Lie. I'm done. I'm done with him. He's a pile of crap. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done. Lie, 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 lie. Some truths in there, like the people who attacked it don't represent America. True. But why do they attack it? Because of his lies. It's like, I'm just, I, I'm so disgusted. And I, can I please ask this? All you commentators out there, everyone who is, who is listening to this right now, can we please stop referring to America as the greatest democracy on earth, which has been talked about for the last hundred years. They, 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 they don't allow minorities to vote as much as they can. They gerrymand the borders so the Republicans can get in. They do things like what happened yesterday. This is not a good example of a democracy, and I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. I'm, I, it's really, I'm really annoyed with this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the intriguing question is, is why has Mr. Trump's tone changed so dramatically uh, since the storming of Capitol Hill and I think uh, there's several possible reasons why he has taken this more conciliatory line we've never heard him speak like this at any time since the election yes uh, just before uh, when he was in Georgia he made a tough thumping speech when he said he would quote he will be fighting like hell to stay in power yeah and that clearly 24 hours earlier yeah that contributed to the climate in which those events occurred yeah. and by the way the the, the the protesters, when they were interviewed by various media people, claimed their commander-in-chief was Trump, who was giving them orders. Yep, and there was a good clip by CNN, people can probably look it up, where a bunch of the Trump supporters, um, and, and you, if you Google Trump supporters proud of capital, you know, whatever, mm. uh, saying, yeah, we're proud of what we're doing, 1776. What they don't realise is they're the fucking British in this example. They're not the American patriots. They don't quite get that. Yeah, and also it's 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 a terrible, you know. I, I think that uh, it's been said, but I, you know, a lot of the people involved are sincere, but they are really misguided and they are deluded. And this is not a patronising comment. Many of the media people who've interviewed them were astonished 
that many of these people seem to be completely un factually unaware of what actually happened in the election. Yeah. And they have relied on conspiracy sites yep. for their information. And unfortunately, we're seeing the result of the selective use of the social media for people's information. And uh, it, to some extent, uh, you could argue that people like that are very vulnerable to the pronouncements of, if you like, a populist stroke, authoritarian stroke, authoritarian leader who, like Mr. Trump, who basically has shown little respect for democratic institutions since he's been in charge. I feel I kind of feel the need to maybe apologize about you. I just realized how hot I got. I, I don't know what it is about you, Robert, but you've brought out the fire in me today. I'm really, really annoyed and angry at this whole thing. And really, that's kind of weird because it's got nothing to do with me. So it doesn't, it doesn't, of, it doesn't so, really but, affect but, me, really. Yeah, but Pat, I think a lot of Americans mm. feel the same way. I mean, I know I know all politicians play the political card following events in which they, they feel that they've sort of got their opponent in the crosshairs. But Nancy Pelosi said that her phone had been ringing hot with people right across the spectrum, Republicans and Democrats, demanding impeachment proceedings. Um, it, it seems to me that this is an event which has galvanised and, and appalled many people. Uh, but I think they're shocked by it, but they're not altogether surprised. Yeah, but look, I, I, I accept what you're saying, and it's true, obviously, but I'm like, uh, this is like Captain Obvious. This is the story of the most obvious thing that was going to happen. There was all these Republican senators, congressmen, staffers, supporters that thought they had a control of this guy. And there was people like, I, I guess, me, and uh, you're an academic and it's a bit different from you. I'm just a, you know, a raving lunatic with a microphone. But I've been saying this could lead to civil war for four years. Mm. At its worst, this could go down places that you haven't heard. He is um, uh, aiding and abetting with white supremacy. If you go down to and have a look at how they respond, I, I, I tweeted about it yesterday. Imagine mm. if these guys were black. You know, imagine if it was Muhammad trying to break into the capital with 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 you know ten thousand of his friends. Would there have been and and you know, uh, uh, loss of life is sad. But you put yourself there, but it wouldn't have been four. It might have been four or five hundred. You know, and and the the way this is just, uh, it's like you know you have two kinds of drunks. You have a happy drunk, and you have. Um, a drunk that reveals all their true nastiness after they get on the bottle, you know? So it either reveals your true nature when you have one or two or ten too many, or you turn into a bit of a fun kind mm. of person. Trump has revealed the true nature of a portion of America, and that's why I say I don't want to hear about the greatest democracy on earth. I don't want to hear it. This The, 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 um, the, the electoral college is a joke that, that for the past since 1994, that the Republicans can win the popular vote once and be in power half the time. Mm. It is ridiculous that people can't vote in that country for various reasons, that they try and suppress the vote. And it's all led to this person called Trump. And yesterday, I'm sorry, as Thanos says, was inevitable. Trump could have said it. I am inevitable. That's what Thanos said when he clicked his fingers. And... Mm. It's, it was leading to it. And I just think, you know, Mitch McConnell, who said uh, finally after they got back and think, I'm out. Uh, Lindsey Graham, show me the proof in Georgia of the of the, you know, of the, um, mm. the fraudulent. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani said in a tweet that um, he condemns violence, but in a speech an hour before, he wanted to do trial by combat. 
I just, I'm. They should be done. They should be out of the game. They should be well, never they should, seen they again. They should be facing legal consequences for the actions to which they've contributed. Yep. I mean, it's incitement, and this was a seditious act. So <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it basically, I hope the full rigor of the law will apply. Yep. Um, I think the message has to go out uh, that you can't, with impunity, carry out these sort of actions and get away with it. Um, as you rightly say, there's certain members of the community who would not get away with comparable actions. Yeah. And uh, I, to be fair, uh, according to the Washington mayor, they are systematically going after the people involved in this through video footage, etc. But I think you put your finger on a really important part, a really important point, Pat, and that is we've got to look beyond the immediate. Yes, Mr. Trump bears considerable responsibility for accentuated accentuating and deepening America's divisions. But those divisions didn't have just come out of a clear blue sky with yeah. Mr. Trump. Yeah. He's exploited grievances. And, and this has culminated in Trump. Yes. So I, I think they need to have a... I, I think the Biden administration needs to have a long, hard look at the political system. And there is considerable scope, I think, for suggesting... Uh, some modernization of the Constitution, uh, a more inclusive arrangement. And I think, you know, I mean, Bernie Sanders has made it the point several times that at the moment, American democracy is undermined by the dominance of big money. For sure. And that, it, it, you know, politics is not really a viable career for many people, unless they've got really exceptional talent um, and they're single and young and they don't have huge commitments. Otherwise, you need to be pretty wealthy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's wrong. I mean, it, it, as Sanders has said, it means America is deprived of the best and the brightest because the best and brightest are not necessarily the people with the deepest pockets. And, uh, you know, so I think there needs to be a real hard look at the American political system and to what extent did Mr. Clump, uh, Mr. Trump... Nah, sorry, better, I like Clump better. Let's stick uh, with that. Mr. Trump... <laughs> To what extent was he a product of it? Yes. Because, you know, yes. this polarisation, in some respects, was uh, developed, uh, and I think, it, let's be quite clear, America's had problems dealing with um, minorities for some time. Um, African Americans didn't get their voting rights to the mid-60s, nearly mm. 100 years after the Civil War, which was concluded in their favour, reportedly. They were freed yeah. from um, slavery, but they still didn't get their full political rights. Uh, but 9-11 also led to Islamophobia and led to, um, I think, a climate in which populist demagogues... Remember Mr Trump's birther campaign? Yep. Uh, where he made quite outrageous lies which were eventually disproved by Mr. Obama producing his birth certificate. So the roots of what we're witnessing in the last few days, they're deep. And Mr. Trump has certainly added fuel to the fire. There's no doubt about it. Mm. He's a dangerous president. And someone who really wasn't, I think, uh, had the necessary political experience or the qualifications to do the job. But given the background we've just, discover, uh, just described, he was able to do enough to get there. It does also raise the point, and maybe it's the wrong time for this conversation, is what the crap is wrong with the Democratic Party? That they, I mean, after Obama was in, I think we might have said this in the last podcast, I went, well, 
Democrats are going to be in for the next six cycles because the GOP has lost the youth, uh, female vote, and the minority vote. They're done. And then the very next cycle, they get back in there. So, you know, the last time around with uh, Wash, whatever her name was, the head of the DOC, and they're kind of screwing Bernie around. And mm. I'll tell you what, if it hadn't been for coronavirus, it could easily have been a Trump in a second second uh, term now. He screwed that up so badly to let uh, Biden through the door, I think, on some levels. But you got to say, for this political system to be this close on so many of these elections with such terrible candidates, it's it's so much bigger than just the culmination in Trump. It's the whole system. I hope Biden, now that he, I, I, I did a little dance when I saw the Georgia result came in, I, I looked at there and I was thinking... I was going to do a tweet and go, you know, I feel pretty good about Georgia. And I went, no, no, I don't want to jinx it because apparently I've got control over the results. If I say the wrong thing, that oh, will change. Yeah. It's like the All the Blacks. State. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, but they, he's, they've got control of the White House, Senate and Congress now. Mm. And I know that they need a big majority to, you know, um, change amendments. I think it's 75% of all the states. But this is the time to go, you know what, the college, um, the electoral college has to go has to go one person, one vote. And I know what they're going to say. They're going to say that the coasts are they're going to run the country. I don't know if I believe that because I reckon there would be a lot of Republicans living in those coastal areas that wouldn't vote because there's no point, much like there'd be a lot of Democrats in the centre, the, the the flyover states today, hmm. who probably don't vote either because there's no point. I, I, I don't. I, it would be very interesting to see an election run under one person, one vote, winner take all. Actually, what would happen? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm not a great fan of um, uh, winner takes all. Uh, I, I, I and that's why I think we've done quite well in New Zealand in resisting mm -hmm. populism because we have proportional representation. And I think it works reasonably well. By definition, to form a government in New Zealand, you have to have about forty eight percent of the vote as a minimum, and that means. For most situations, with the exception of the current one, uh, you need a coalition. And that means that you can contain the crazies because what they do under first-past-the-post system is they burrow into the major parties knowing they've got no chance mm. of contesting as a third party in what essentially becomes a two-party system. So they infiltrate. And you can see that the Republican Party to some degree, is shown the impact of the penetration of the Tea Party and, and some of these far-right groups that began to develop uh, in the Bush administration. Yep, the so, Tea Party. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I, I hope the, Bi the Biden administration takes a long, hard look and begins to correct some of the things you mentioned, such as the gerrymandering that's been going on, yep. and uh, begins to make the system more transparent, and hopefully tries uh, makes healthcare a right um, rather than a privilege, and creates a situation where ordinary people can participate in politics. Because you know it's no secret that for many American politicians at the moment they spend a lot of their time fundraising. Yeah. And uh, rather than doing the job that they should be doing, which is representing their constituents and and their interests. So, you know the. It's a combination of things that clearly I think Mr. I, I listened to Biden's speech and I thought it was a good response uh, to the crisis that's developed. Um, and I think it was a good immediate response. And I think he made the valid point that this didn't come out of a clear blue sky. This has been, you know, this has been in the works since Mr. Trump came to power. But I do think once 
the Biden administration gets into power, it has to look beyond the Trump era and say, how did Mr. Trump possibly win power? And, and this is, they have to ask some searching question, how they can improve American democracy. And like you, I think this smugness, this US exceptionalism has to um, become a little bit less pronounced. And, you know, even today, I've seen commentaries saying that, you know, the exemplar American democracy has been blemished by this horrific incident as if it had been perfect up to now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the wrong approach. I love talking to American commentators and I often ask them, do you think America is the greatest country in the world? And they always say yes. And I always say, what's the metric you use to measure that? And they never have an answer. Because if you actually go through measurable metrics, they are nowhere near the best country in the world. You know, Whether it's infant mortality or debt per person or whatever it is, or yeah. education, they're nowhere near the best country in the world. So, so, so miserable statistics. And then they start talking about democracy and spreading democracy to the world. Well, hello, this is this is American democracy. We're talking about it now, and I, I don't want that democracy in my country. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think the tragedy is that many Americans would agree with what you've just said, and would like to see their democracy become more transparent and more viable. And you know, um, you know, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that America has done quite a lot of good in the world. It's it's not perfect, sure. but you know, some of the things in the post-war era, uh, it played a key role in establishing the United Nations. It played a key role in establishing the WTO. But what you know, you might say, so what? The World Trade Organization. Well, that matters greatly to small countries, which can go and dispute. You know, they can take bigger countries to a, a trade disputes uh, panel and win through rules rather than raw power. That's how New Zealand prevailed in seven trade disputes. So, you know, uh, it's not all bad, but certainly I think it is time to take stock, and I hope the Biden administration um, can do that. Well, on that, um, I wonder, we talked about this already, and I've talked about it with a couple of other people, uh, actually, as we here in New Zealand with the system we've got in New Zealand, we have a... Um, a, a, a parliament or a government that's got a majority which we've never had before since our new system mm. of MMP has come in and but I've been saying they've got two years they've got oh, sorry for us we've got three years that's it because you know there's no uh, logical reason why they think they'll get a majority next time around so if they want to make significant change in New Zealand they've got a three-year window that's my opinion and a lot of people have been a little bit disappointed at the more moderate noises that Jacinda has made um, about you know, uh, not not making big changes. I, I wonder if now looking to America, that Biden's got two years because he's got two years till the next midterms. There's nothing to say that somehow, you know, it's it's uh, what is it? A, a week is a very long time in politics. Two years mm. is an eternity. That all this is quote unquote forgotten by the time the next election rolls around, being two years from now for some of those Senate and Congress seats, and they they lose their majority. So. I don't know how they can move quickly or what they can do, but in two years, what theoretically do you think they could achieve? I mean, these are these three big things now. Obviously, coronavirus is number one, mm. I would think. Uh, the free healthcare or the Medicaid, Medicare is probably up there tagged alongside coronavirus. And now you got to look at the electoral system. It's got to be up there. Yeah, but there's another one as well, which Mr. Mr. Biden is pledged to take firm action, and that is to complete 
the shift to new clean energy. And you may recall in the second debate with Trump, Mr. Trump thought he was scoring heavily when he picked up Biden. Biden mentioned that America simply could not walk away from its commitment to fight climate change. Mm. And Mr. Trump said, oh, the, the voters of Texas and Pennsylvania will be very interested to hear that, um, uh, Mr. Biden, um, because the, the, you're in the process of undermining their, you know, the oil industries in those, in those states. But Biden didn't back away. He said, look, we have to make sure that with the pace of climate change, uh, that it doesn't become irreversible. And we have about a 10-year window to do that. So uh, I, I, think they, I think we will see the uh, Biden administration. I think it will rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. But I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on clean energy, which will have global ramifications. So there's a number of things that the Biden administration needs to get on with. I, I think it actually, you know, many people are saying, oh, look, it's just got bare control of the Senate, which it has now, thanks to its victories in Georgia. But given the state of the Republican Party at the moment, it's, it doesn't look like it can be a cohesive or coherent opposition for a while. So he actually may have an extended window. Well, yeah, I, I would hope so. There's a couple of things, though. As I just said, I thought that under Obama, that the, the yeah. Republicans were decimated, and then they were just back, boom, just like that. But the other thing is, without, I mean, touching wood, anything else i got to do, the, the likelihood of um, Biden having a second term just due to his age and health, mm. I, I mean, it's got to be 50-50 at best, even if he's still with us. God bless him. I don't know what the Catholics say. I grew up Catholic, but God rest his soul and blesses, whatever. Um, but, you know, the idea that someone, because he's 78 now, that would yeah. be 82, going to 86. I mean, that's closer to 90 than 80 at the end of a second yeah, term. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's that in there as well. And, you know, for the for the love of goodness, for all the white supremacists out there, having an Asian black woman running for president, maybe that'll be enough to drive all the people back to the next Trump. Who knows? Yeah, but the interesting thing, Pat, about this is that politics is full of surprises. Yeah. And Biden may do... I mean, one thing about Biden's position, which is a real advantage, first of all, he's got a lot of political experience. 47 years. He knows how the system works. He's not going to be easily phased. And unlike Mr. Obama, who was very inexperienced in Washington, mm -hmm. uh, he does know how the system works. And, and in addition, because he is quite an advanced age, he may decide this is the perfect time to take on all those issues that if he, if he was younger, he might leave to a second right. term. Yes, true. So he may well bite the bullet on a number of things which will come as a surprise to many people. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. And the other thing I've, you know, many people, myself included, have expressed doubts about someone at that age um, running for high office, the most powerful office in the world. But, you know, I, I think the case of the uh, Ronald Reagan's interesting. In his first term, there was huge scepticism about him. And yet... And I'm no apologist for the Reagan period. He did have a degree of success in maintaining domestic support that surprised not only Democrats, but Republicans. Mm. And I'm wondering if Biden, for all his experience, may in fact be the person that can not only take tough measures, but also get a lot of Republicans on his side in a way that may have been more elusive for less experienced politicians. I remember... One of his best friends was John McCain. 
mm -hmm. the Republicans. So he's always prided himself on his bipartisanship. I think McCain will be, uh, not McCain, I think Mr. Biden will be working very hard to woo the moderate Republicans. He said already that he won't be relying on the Democratic, very slim majority in the Senate. He'll be looking to win over people of goodwill and common sense. So he, he may surprise us. Interesting thinking about the time period. As a as a professor and a you know, university academic, you'll appreciate this. I was always the uh, ship my essays due tomorrow, I better get onto it today sort of thing, last minute. But sometimes those deadlines give you an, oh, yeah. an incentive. I'm not saying it does good essays if you're listening to university students. Um, but I've never thought that he might only think one term and he might think, and then I'm then I'm going out, leaving my legacy, so let's cram it all in. That's actually a really, really interesting thought. I think I think it's a real possibility because I was struck by his choice of Kamala Harris, a young, uh, vibrant, um, you know, she was a serious contender for the presidential nomination. She pulled out. But I think he was signalling uh, to people who had doubts about his age, look, I'm, I'm going for a capable vice president. And all the indications are that he wants to involve Kamala Harris deeply in the running of the administration. The model possibly was the Clinton-Gore where, model, where Gore was deeply involved in decision-making uh, under Clinton. Um, some presidents have tended to have more of a ceremonial vice president. Yeah. Um, maybe Mike Pence goes into that category. <laughs> uh, but you could also say that, um, you know... Uh, Crumbs of Pence was the looks. That means Donald Trump's the brains. Where does that leave us? I was going to say, yeah. I was going to say perhaps uh, that's quite interesting that Congress is 50-50 then. She has to be involved in a bunch of the lawmaking because she is the deciding vote. So that might immediately, through circumstance, drive her into more of a policy position. Yeah, and I think that's allied to the fact that it would seem that Biden has every intention of playing a sort of chair of the board role rather than being micromanaging everything so more of a uh, more of a uh, like graham henry was the first all black who was kind of the manager who had the coaches under him doing well you set a the lot strategy of the work. yeah you know biden may say look i want these four things done yeah. do them hey um it's a quick chat today uh, but because i've been so aggressive i think it's i've given out enough energy like a normal hour and a half podcast but before we go i just want to explain to people one more time who don't quite understand what we're talking about, what I'm talking about, when I say the people who upheld Trump, the Mitch McConnells, the Lindsey Grahams, the Rudy Giuliani's, the Kellyanne McEnany's, the Kellyanne Conway's, the Ted Cruz's, those people, why we should hold them as accountable as Trump for what happened yesterday. And if you want me to be generous, I'll say maybe not as accountable, but in part accountable. And to think about that over the forthcoming weeks, months and years, when those people are standing up the front trying to rewrite the history books like they didn't do it. I put out a tweet yesterday that I want to share. If anyone wants to get my magnificent meanderings, it's at Pat Brittenden. And it's a clip that I took off illegally um, Full Metal Jacket. I love Full Metal Jacket. Great movie. Studied it when I was in fifth form in school and really enjoyed it. There's a scene where Private Pyle um, basically has stolen a donut, right? And he steals the donut and he um, has it in his footlocker and the drill sergeant finds it. And what happens is the drill sergeant 
punishes everybody else for what uh, Private Pile has done. Let me play it for you. If you're listening to the podcast, you'll hear it. Um, if you're watching, uh, enjoy a little bit of this. Open your mouth. They're paying for it. You eat it. Ready? Exercise. One, two, three, four. So for those of you who are listening, Private Pile is eating the donut whilst all the other cadets, all the other soldiers are doing press-ups on the floor. Now, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, Kayleigh McEnany, Kellyanne Conway, and about a hundred other people, you have been in the kitchen with Donald Trump for up to four to five years cooking this bloody donut. Other people are now paying the price for what you and Donald Trump have cooked. Do not let them, do not let them say they weren't part of making the ingredients for cooking this donut. Make them enjoy eating it. I put another post out uh, yesterday on Twitter as well where I basically said, you know, all you GOP senators, you've paid for this ride. This, this is the ride you've paid for for the last five years. Don't try and jump off the Trump train in the, in the 11th hour. This is the ride you've paid for. You've built these carriages. You've made these rides. Don't you dare try and get off and say, oh, no, no, no. I had nothing to do with that ride. You own this. You made the donut. You're eating the donut while other people are paying for it. And I'll just tell you to enjoy it because you ain't going to get away with it if there's people to hold these feet to the fire. And I hope there are. Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that the Biden administration does take consequences for people who played a part in inciting the appalling events that we've been discussing. But you know what? Accountability doesn't just rest with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party in the United States. One thing that I feel strongly is that other liberal democracies must be very clear about their condemnation of the events that occurred. Yeah. And I've been a little bit, I, I think the Germans spoke, the, the, the government of Angela Merkel spoke the most clearly. But, you know, much of the comments have been what I call very measured and um, and sometimes that's a good thing. But when you have a sitting president who incites an attack upon government and democratic institutions, it seems to me that that, is, that warrants a serious response. Uh, Mr. Trump has never accepted the election outcome. And let's face it, that's what democracy is all about, mm -hmm. that the, you participate in it. And if you lose... Uh, you have the grace to accept defeat. That's what a peaceful transfer of power is all about. And he violated one of those fundamental rules. And I feel, uh, you know, we as a country, uh, we have expressed, you know, we're on the side of those who upholding democracy and the rule of law. Uh, the Prime Minister said that very clearly, and I support her very much in doing that. Uh, and I think many other Kiwis do as well. But I think we should be absolutely clear uh, that someone who is prepared to make those sort of incendiary statements we should be distancing ourselves in no uncertain terms you know it, why do i say this because just two years ago pat we had 
a white supremacist carry out atrocity in Christchurch. So what happens in the United States? We live in an interconnected world. Yeah. And these ideas transmit. We know that the paramount terrorist who carried out that appalling atrocity in Christchurch was inspired by some of the ideas that some of these people who involved in the storming of Capitol Hill mm -hmm. also believe. Did you see many African-Americans in that assault? I saw a lot of Confederate flags. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, and I saw some reports today that said really the only so, the only ethnically mixed group of people within the thing were the QAnon people, but the actual Trump supporters purely all white people. So. so the reason I make this point, Pat, is that we have a national interest yeah. in being crystal clear that we won't have a bar of this and that as a vigorous democracy we reject the sort of divisive politics uh, and, if you like, the politics of polarisation which led to those tragic events that we've been discussing, the storming of Capitol Hill. And I think the one person who we, one group of people who we may not have mentioned by name, so to speak, although I think it's inferring to it, is, is I did my little rant then and you said the, not just the Democrats or the Republicans but the world and then on, on the back of that the most important people are the voters. Yeah. They're the ones for accountability for these people. They're the ones that when, you know, if it's Beta Boy Rock up against Ted Cruz next time around, that they remember this. They remember that um, Ted Cruz two nights ago was, you know, challenging everything and questioning everything. And then after all of a sudden, Trump took them to that place of no return. He's trying to rewrite the history books. Don't let them. Don't let them. Well, that will depend on... The Republican Party, won't it? There's going to be a battle Maybe. now. This is going to be a battle now for the soul of the Republican yep. Party. Whether the Mitt Romney wing uh, will really contest uh, and really try to grab the initiative. Um, one can't help feeling that the likes of Ted Cruz and to some degree Lindsey Graham, because I agree with you, you can't just row back what's no, happened. Of course not. Uh, one would like to think that they're going to play a big political price for flirting with Trumpism and supporting it, on the in many cases, cynically, because they felt it advanced their own political interests. Well, this is the thing as well. I think those people were understanding what they were doing. Like, I think some of those guys, the Lindsey Grahams, the Mitch McConnells, uh, uh, those people, they knew the bullshit they were doing, which on some way... Uh, some level, I think, makes it even worse. They knew they were playing games based off the back of policies and ideologies that maybe they didn't adhere to or believe in, but they knew it was expedient for their careers. Trump's a fucking nutter. He's a maniac, and I, I'm happy to say maybe he doesn't get it. Maybe he's a lunatic and he doesn't get it. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I, I'm assured that those other politicians get it and played the game to their expedience. This is the outcome. Eat your donut. Eat it and don't you dare try and walk away from it. I'm thinking I'm done, Robert. I don't know about you. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> hey, thanks, no, no. Thanks for coming in. You're very welcome. Thanks, Pat. Okay, look, hi, thanks. Welcome back again. <laughs> We're done, Robert Patman. Um, you know, I, I look, I, I'm sorry if if you if you don't do emotion or grumpiness or anger at the appropriate times then. You won't have enjoyed that. You're probably not here, so good on you. Uh, what happened in America was disgusting. What's been happening in America for the past four years has been disgusting. And I just thank the good Lord, coming from my Catholic roots, that in 13 days we could be seeing the back of it, hopefully, moving forward from there. But I don't have much actual you know, confidence in that myself. Um, 
we've got some pretty big news for you about the Department of Conversation. We've got a way that we've figured out that you can come on board and help us make this. I can't quite say what it is yet, but over the next couple of podcasts, some information will be getting released to help us make this podcast that you can be involved in. And no, it's not a Patreon, although there is a Patreon that we do run. It's not that. It's a way that you can potentially not change your life at all and help us make this podcast. It's a bit of a strange tease because I can't really tell you much more than that at the moment, but please stay tuned over the next couple of podcasts and as soon as I can release it, I will. Speaking of the next couple of podcasts, we've got all sorts of requests in with American people. Uh, One person who has confirmed for next week is a, a, a professor an academic, an author. Her name is Ruth Bengay, and she has written a book um, about dictators, basically. Strong men, Mussolini to the president. Could not be more appropriate right now after the events of yesterday. Ruth will be joining us next week. A ton more podcasts on the way. Going to be confirming a whole lot of things up for you next week to listen into. (sighs) Stick around. Get in touch with us at thedoc.nz or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash DOCNZ. Thank you for being with us. Hopefully uh, you've got something out of this podcast. Hopefully you uh, worked with us on it. Uh, You be kind to you. Make sure you stay being kind to yourself. And until we see you next time, hooroo, my friends. (laughs) 